Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words of your Son, Jesus. Open our ears that we might hear what he wants to say to us. And by your Holy Spirit, make us willing and ready to obey and to believe. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. You might remember about five years ago or so, there was a, a college admission scandal that made headlines here in the United States. Uh, there were some very uh, wealthy and well-connected people who were paying a consultant to falsify information about their children so that their kids could get into these uh, prestigious uh, universities. And one thing that they were doing was um, lying. These consultants were making up athletic uh, accomplishments for these students to make them look like something they weren't, to make them look like these high-profile recruits. Uh, so, for example, uh, one included a football player whose high school didn't even have a football team. Uh, another was a basketball star, purported basketball star, but he was five foot five, so not likely. Uh, and then there was a high school cheerleader who was presented as a great lacrosse player but never played. But when that scheme was exposed, of course, it was revealed that they were not who they said they were and their hopes of getting into these schools vanished. Well, Jesus, in our parable, he is telling us what is required to get into something much greater than a prestigious university. In the Gospel reading, he's talking about how to get into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a relationship with God where he uh, is our authority and he cares for us as our Heavenly Father and it's a relationship of love and peace and joy and forgiveness that goes on forever. Jesus elsewhere talks about the kingdom of God as a priceless treasure. What is required to get into the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus teaches us here what's required is to do the will of God. And that, in this parable, means to admit who we really are, not to pretend that we're something we're not, to admit our sins, and to believe in the word of God that has come to us. Jesus says that to these religious uh, leaders in Jerusalem, uh, he says something very shocking and very offensive. But at this point, they're probably used to hearing these things uh, from Jesus. This is taking place at the uh, end of his life, the last week of his life, when he says that tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom before you. Because they're the ones who've done the will of God. They're the ones who've responded to God. They're like the first son in this parable. The first son is asked by his father, Father, uh, son, will you go into the vineyard and, and work today? And the first son responds, as some children do to their parents. I've heard about this happening in other households. I've heard it all too often in my household. I will not. 
doesn't give an excuse, but we can imagine what the excuses might be, you know. It's not fair, why don't you have the other kids do it? Or, you know, after I finish watching the TV show or playing the video game, but no, I will not go. I will not help you out. I will not do your will. So, he says no at first. But then, it says that he changed his mind, or one translation he, 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 is that he regretted it. He regretted refusing his father's will. He regretted treating his father that way. Uh, and he changed his mind and he went and he did the will of the Father. And Jesus is saying here, isn't he, that this is a, this is a picture of what is going on with the tax collectors and the prostitutes in the days of John the Baptist. Now, before the ministry of John the Baptist, they were saying no to God. They were saying no by their, their life and their, their lifestyle and even their manner of making a living. Tax collectors and prostitutes. They were involved in greed and extortion and immorality. And so they were, they were saying no to God. But now they, under the ministry of John the Baptist, when they heard God's message to them under the ministry of John the Baptist, this call to repent, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance it says, for the forgiveness of sins. When they heard that, and the Spirit of God was operating in a, in a powerful way, their hearts softened. They, they began to regret that they had been saying no to God. There was a move of the Spirit of God among those who were considered the farthest from God. Something was happening. Something was happening, and they were responding to it. They were trusting in the word of God that was coming from John the Baptist. They were admitting who they were. Uh, John the Baptist um, called them to repentance, which, uh, which means not only that you are to be sorry for your sin, but you're to walk in a new life after you've received this forgiveness, this cleansing work of God than to walk in, in new life. So, for example, you know, he said to the tax collectors, the tax collectors who came to him, this is Luke chapter 3, verse 13, the tax collectors who asked him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Stop cheating people. So, this response to the Word of God involved faith. They had to believe that what John the Baptist was saying was true. That the kingdom of God is breaking in. That God is sending His Messiah, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who would take away the sin of the world. And it's now time to prepare for that. And that as they went into the Jordan River and confessed their sin, God was cleansing them and forgiving them. And God was offering them this new life that they could walk in. And they had to believe that and then respond in faith. And that's what they did. According to Jesus, the penitent tax collectors and prostitutes show us what it looks like to do the will of God. Believe, repent, and walk in this newness of life by the grace of God. We don't walk in newness of life through our own power, 
Paul in our reading from Philippians says, it's God who works in you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. So we look to God to give us the grace that we need to walk in obedience to this newness of life. But it starts with repentance and faith, and it continues by repentance and faith. We're called into this lifestyle of repentance and faith and believing the promises of God that are ours in Jesus Christ. But they had said no, and now they were saying yes. And that's what matters. It's better now than never. It's better to say yes to God now than never. No matter what the past has been, no matter what you've been doing in the past, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to say yes to God. So that's a message for us. Maybe there's somebody here who is saying no to God. Although even you're here today, but but in your heart of hearts or in your lifestyle, you're saying no to God. You're resisting God. You're involved in things that you know are not pleasing to God. It's better now than never. Now is the day to say yes to Him. And aren't you thankful, those of us who have been walking with God for a while, that we serve a God who... Even though there were seasons of our life, times of our life, we can look back on and and like the psalmist said in our psalm, Lord, do not remember the sins of my youth. Do not hold the sins of my youth against me. There were seasons of my life where I was saying no to God. But God in His mercy called me. And by His grace, I was able to say yes. Are you thankful that we serve a God who calls people who are saying no to him, into his kingdom, so we can find this new life. I read the testimony of a man named Greg Reynolds, who uh, he came of age in the 1960s, the Woodstock generation, which I think in a lot of ways is, is like ours today. It was a time of experimentation, of revolution, of great social change. People were turning to drugs. There was experimentation in sexuality. A lot was topsy-turvy and upside down in the 1960s. And some of you lived through it and know what I'm talking about. But anyway, Greg Reynolds was there, and he kind of did what that generation, many in that generation did. He rejected traditional Christianity. He got into Eastern religions, and he joined a commune out west. And he joined this commune, he said, because I wanted to live in community of peace, harmony, and love. And I believed in the inherent goodness of mankind. And he said, and then I got into the commune. (laughs) And then he said, we couldn't even uh, do our dishes or wash the toilet. Nobody would do that kind of work. So the peace and harmony began to break down in the commune. And he started to see the inherent selfishness in the human heart. And then he went off to a music festival in Portland, and he said the turning point for him came when he saw, and I'm going to just quote here, depths of depravity that I witnessed there convinced me I needed to get away. He saw depths of depravity. And so he got away, and he went back home and was living actually alone in an apartment back in his hometown, and he said that God used a picture of the bleeding heart of Jesus to break through his pride. We've seen those pictures, those images of the bleeding heart of Jesus. And as he looked at that, he remembered the cross. He remembered what he'd been taught as a child. 
of Jesus' death on the cross. And that began to soften him. And he realized that the problem wasn't me or the government, or rather the problem wasn't my friends or the government, but it was me. It was my heart. My heart was selfish. My heart was prideful. I was living for pleasure rather than to please God. And the bleeding heart of Jesus reminded him of the sacrificial love of God. So Greg, who once said no to God, was now saying yes. And I'm so thankful that God still does this. God still does that work. He still calls people tax collectors, prostitutes, outsiders, people who are far from God, people who are saying no, no, no. He breaks through. He breaks through and he calls people to himself. I think God is doing something of that work in in our country today. We don't hear a lot about it, but we see some... uh, some flare-ups here and there sometimes. We heard about the Asbury revival that took place last year among college students. This week I heard that at Auburn University. Did you all hear that? 200 students were baptized. There was a mass baptism. And so we can pray. Those of us who, as many of us are, worried about our country, worried about people who are far from God, we can pray that God will do this work like he did in the days of John the Baptist as he did in the ministry of Jesus, as he did throughout the great revivals, as we see him doing now in different parts of the world and even in our country, that that will continue. And let's pray for those who are saying no to God, that God will break through so that they will turn and say yes. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying for those people. Don't give up engaging. Don't give up inviting them. God can do it. He's done it before. He's done it in our lives, and he'll do it with other people. So we have this uh, picture of the first son who said no, but then changed his mind. And then we have the, the second son. This son, now this son sounds like he's, he says all the things that a father wants to hear, and he does it right away. Son, will you work in the vineyard for me? Yes, sir. I go. But then he didn't go. He didn't go. And so Jesus sets up the religious leaders with this question, which son did the will of his father? Well, there's only one right answer, right? This, the, the first son did it. The second son did not do the will of his father. And so then he makes this point here. Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. You could see in John's life and in his ministry, that he was not pretending that this was not something that he was... He wasn't like a televangelist who, you know, is doing this for, 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 for money. You begin to see sometimes these folks who are exposed. They live a very luxurious lifestyle. And they're, they're traveling in, 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 on private jets and living in, in mansions. That wasn't John the Baptist. He came in the way of righteousness. He was a man who, who lived on locusts and wild honey and went around in camel's hair and was completely dedicated to the kingdom of God, even to the point of giving his life for this message. He came, Jesus said, in a way of righteousness. You can't dismiss somebody like this, but they did. But they did. They were like the second son. They said the right things. They could look the part. 
They had their long robes and their tassels. They were engaged in religious activity, some of it very good, maintaining the sacrificial system of the temple, collecting money for the poor, good works. They were polished. They were, these were not the uh, country priests of Galilee. These were the leaders of the temple. These were folks who graduated the top of their class in seminary. These were well-connected, polished, refined people who could pray very eloquent prayers and preach very eloquently. They looked apart, but it wasn't real because they said no to God when the time came. They did not believe the message. When they saw, he said, even when you saw this, you had John the Baptist coming to you in the way of righteousness. You had these tax collectors and prostitutes getting into the Jordan River. God was at work. Even when you saw it, you did not believe. You resisted the will of God. Friends, let's not be content with looking religious. Let's not be content with just doing religious type things. Let's be people who are broken and contrite before God. When the Spirit of God is calling us to repent, let's respond. I mean, this is a dangerous trajectory that these temple authorities are on. They've been resisting. They've been resisting. Not all of them. Some have come to faith, but most of them... They've been resisting, they've been resisting this call, and now they're going to try to do away with Jesus. You see, there's a trajectory when it comes to the spiritual life that can happen. If you resist and you resist, your heart gets harder and harder, and soon you're not neutral to it. You want the light to go away. It's a dangerous place to be. That's the trajectory they're on. Jesus actually holds out some hope here for some of them. He says, they go into the kingdom before you. It's not like you can't get in. But now's the time. Today is the day to repent. And, and we'll see it in the parable next week. That this resistance leads to violence against the revelation of God. Against Jesus. And so there's a warning here about resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's not be content again to just look religious. And to do religious type things. David said after his sin with Bathsheba that what God desires is a broken and contrite heart. Repentance is the way that we get into the kingdom. And repentance is the way that through the work of the Holy Spirit our hearts are cleansed, our conscience are cleansed before God. Is there something in your life where you've been resisting, you've been saying no to God that you need to come clean with today? As we come to the table, today's the day to do that, to lay that down, to say, God, I've been saying no here. I want to say yes to you. We remember that the one who's telling the story in just a few days, this, this happened on Holy Tuesday. In just a few days, he's going to be hanging on the cross purchasing our pardon and our forgiveness. And it's the kindness of God that we see in Christ that ought to draw us to this place of repentance and continual repentance. So that's about us. And also this is about other people because, once again, 
in our culture, we see many people saying no to God and saying no to the kingdom of God and yes to the kingdom of self. I mean, it's ingrained, it's very deep in our American culture, isn't it, that we are kings and queens. And in order to be authentic, we're going to do our will. We're not going to be constrained by any will outside of ourselves. Frank Sinatra sang it, I did it my way. In fact, I read something this week that made me think about it, that in the UK, that is the number one song played at funerals. Think about that. As you leave this life, I did it my way. Whereas the kingdom of God is, do it God's way. Come to Christ. So many people in our modern world are, are, are saying no to God and his kingdom and doing it their own way. But what are the consequences of that? What are the consequences that we're seeing? I read uh, an article this week that over the past 12 months, around 110,000 people, nearly 300 people a day, are dying of drug overdose. 300 people, mostly because of fentanyl. And the writer in this article is quoting an addiction expert who said that addiction is not just a response to the brain's urge for chemical stimulation. That's part of it. There's a chemical issue here. But this expert said, underneath of it is the pursuit of meaning and spiritual, spiritual quest. And he said, modern people are so free, and we teach that we're free, and we have so many options, but little purpose. And so we're seeking to fill emptiness with these other things, just to feel something. And it's leading to all kinds of addictive behaviors and stimulus. So let's remind ourselves, friends, of the importance of this, to tell others that true and eternal life is found in the kingdom of God. It's found in saying yes to the will of God. It's found in true repentance and faith in the promises of God, promises that have been sealed to us at the cross and empty tomb. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray for that. I, I pray for ourselves and I pray for those that we're concerned about and we pray for our larger culture. So many people are saying no. But those who say no can say yes as your Holy Spirit works on their hearts to soften them. And so we pray, God, that we might be responsive to your Spirit. Those we are concerned about are responsive to your Spirit. And you help us, Lord, to be a church that invites others and prays for others so that they too might enjoy fellowship in your kingdom. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.